Hello, Ellie. How are you? Happy Saturday. Hi. Happy Saturday. Yeah, I'm great. We just had a fantastic conversation with our good friend, Ben Steinbach. Yeah. Um, re- relating to, I think, some of the conversation that we had last month at our live podcast. Yeah. Um, at the live podcast, which I swear will eventually be published. <laughs> See the light of day. We have a lot of sound issues and it's taking some time to work through the editing. Um, but that the topic was about how hard it is to ask for help. And we mostly talked about when we're successful at asking for help, but we talked to Ben because mm-hmm. there was a time when he wasn't successful at asking for help in time before he uh, kind of went off the rails. Yes. And l- the live podcast, I think we were talking about a, a lot asking for help in a professional setting. So my business needs something and we don't have the capability or I as a leader really want to um, have yeah. some expertise in an area that I, I don't have. And I, I think this conversation with Ben is a nice uh, kind of other side of the coin, which is the personal side. So thinking about how work and professional and just life in general um, can can impact your ability to take care of yourself and yeah. to make that space. Um, how do you make that space? What was his kind of journey of making space to ask for some help, um, get some help for himself? Uh, one of the things I, I love that Ben talked about was that kind of analogy of the gardener and the flower. Basically, sometimes you are the caretaker and sometimes you are the caretaken. Um, and we all need those times where somebody else is is looking out for us, taking care of us. And I just thought that was a, it's so true. And it was a really great way to think about um, and be able to articulate uh, where you are and, and when you might be needing some, some help, some space, yeah. some, you know, fill your engine up. I'm grateful for all the guests. I was just reflecting on this, that, that come on and are vulnerable and, and transparent and honest about their experiences. And it has occurred to me that on this theme of asking for help that we've been on for a couple episodes, our guests come on the show because they want to help other people. Yes. Um, so kind of, kind of meta, but um, yeah, we should probably go into the episode because my dog just farted again and I... Um, <laughs> I gotta gotta run. Enjoy, everybody. Without further ado. Hello, everyone listening to us. This is Jenna Alden. Hi, Jenna. Hi, Ellie. And we have with us, yes, a wonderful human, Mr. Benjamin WWE Steinbach. Thanks, Jenna. Nice to chat with both of you. Is WWE your official middle name at this point? It is point? not. Zubas <laughs> would be more appropriate, but Ooh. yes, I do have multiple wrestling belts in my Zoom background right now, so that's yeah. fair. And is that and a just Charizard? For... Do I see a Charizard? There's a Charizard probably back there. It's it's Pokemon, Lego. Nice Pokeflex. Uh, yeah, there's, yeah. Uh, every like, like nerd culture type of thing you can think of. There's Star Wars back there. I think that's the Ghostbusters. There's the Ghostbusters. That's a Lego Ghostbusters uh ship. Indiana Jones. Oh yeah. Indiana, yeah, yeah. We have it all. So okay. I spend my money on very important things. Well point of clarification. Are... Because yeah. 
we know you pretty well. Would you, in fact, rate your passion for Zubas as higher than your passion for wrestling? I mean, they're they're very. Uh, it's a strong Venn diagram. Okay. Of people Related. that like those two things. Okay. Yeah. I just Zubas was started by wanted to make sure. Wrestlers. So I mean, if, if if we want, we can just spend only this time talking about <laughs> where Zubas came from. Um, I don't want to. Okay. Totally different podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Normally, I feel very, very grateful uh, as I sit here in my pajamas that we don't have an audio or a video podcast, but actually listeners, here, let me actually take a screenshot so that we can uh, use a photo so that you can see the gloriousness behind Ben because it's pretty nerdy, <clears throat> but let's get to work. Okay, Ben, <laughs> thank you for coming on the show. I believe you are a longtime listener. I am longtime listener, first time caller, but yeah. not calling. Yes. First time Zoomer. First time Zoomer. Um, guest host. First time guest. Yes. Uh, the This is a continuation conversation from last month where we did a live episode and you were Ooh. sitting right in the front row, not heckling us. Thank you. Not at all. Thank you. And uh, <laughs> the conversation that we had then was... Um, about asking for help and how hard it can be and how emotional it can be. And also how on the other side of it, the people that want to help you want to help you. Like it, it shouldn't be so hard to ask for help. Totally. Um, and the statistic I gave was that I think it was 53 or 57. It was in the fifties percent of people um, wait until they're, way into overwhelm and meltdown before they actually do ask for help. Um, and I wanted, we wanted to talk to you because we want to explore what that looks like. Cause you did that. <laughs> I did. I'm, I'm a statistic. Uh, would not recommend it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, this was a couple of years ago, I think yeah. now. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Can you, can you just describe what was going on uh, yeah. for you? Absolutely. So uh, I I had been working uh, on a particularly challenging client, but I will not say that all of this is due to a challenging client. We've all worked on very hard clients in the past. Uh, I know both of you specifically have, having worked with you all for so long. I'm working um, on one right now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that, that definitely played a part, like didn't help uh, the situation, but there was just a lot of things going on in my personal life and professional life that I wasn't managing well. Um, and I, I've always had uh, from being young, like this feeling of needing to be perfect and perfectionism and feeling deep shame when I can't be perfect and wanting everyone to like me. And if I didn't do that, what am I? Um, and so a, a lot of, which, uh, you may guess makes it really hard to ask for help because then it's that that like oh I can't do it I'm not good enough um and uh so those things all compound when you have that uh, along with anxiety and everything else um and so was just really trying to push through to to kind of get this work done and every day it was just taking a little bit more of a toll on me and um you know there's good outlets and stuff that I was utilizing with like my therapist and stuff but it wasn't keeping up with um, where I was at. I wasn't able to spend time with my family the way I would have wanted to and, and refresh me. So like then it started to compound, like I'm working so hard. It's not enough at work. 
but also like at home, I'm neglecting my family. I'm not being a good father. Uh, I'm not being a good husband, which by the way, my family never said to me, uh, this is all Ben inner thoughts, uh, yeah. <laughs> being my own worst enemy. Your um, inner coach. Yes. My inner coach, super helpful. Um, <laughs> uh, it, it reminds me of uh, something Don would say all the time, uh, which is the stories we tell in their heads are always tragedies, never comedies. And That's I had like true. a constant tragedy running through my head mm-hmm. at that time. And so uh, eventually I I remember the moment when I was like the breakdown as you know, we can put it like we were presenting some work to our client and it was low stake stuff. This was not like a big presentation to the CEO or anything crazy all on zoom. And I was part of the presentation, not the whole thing. And I presented my part and then I turned my camera off and walked away. And like, I just, I couldn't be there. Like, it was just like overwhelming to the point where I thought I was just going to like explode because of all these feelings inside. And I was just like, like a panic attack? yeah, yeah. Close. I've had panic attacks. It was close. It was, it was very similar to that where I just felt like I can't be here. And yeah. so, and again, everything was going great on the call. Things have been going well. Like, so it's not like, again... <laughs> Uh, I can't point to it being like, oh, this person I was working with was just awful to me. And um, there there was moments of that. But like in this moment, it was just everything came to a head and I just walked away. And I'm like, I can't I can't be here and do a decent job anymore. Um, yeah, that does sound similar to what Kate McRoberts described. Yeah. In the live episode that there was just this moment where it all hit. Yep. Like I think she described it as bricks. <laughs> <laughs> like a ton of bricks yeah okay so did you return to the call i'm not yeah. asking as your colleague i'm asking as your friend <laughs> i did i returned to the wrap-up i never turned my camera back on but i said goodbye we ended the call and i just like i took a walk outside um i was at okay. the office uh and so i just yeah. took a walk and got some fresh air which yeah. didn't fix anything uh although it was nice yeah and then at that point, did you understand, like, I need to do something different? Yes. And did you know what that looked like? Uh, I didn't. I knew I didn't, like, at that point, I knew I couldn't keep doing what I was doing. Um, I also knew, like, for me, at least, quitting wasn't an option. It's not like, oh, I'm, my job's too stressful. I'm going to quit my job. I'm done with it. Um, but I did. I knew I needed a, an extended break. Um, yeah. and, and part of that was, like, informed by people that uh, I consider like um, folks I look up to greatly uh, who I know have gone through similar things um, at work and won't share names because I haven't talked to them about it before, but like that have gone through something just like this. And luckily like that person was in the office with me and I could sit down and talk to him about what he went through. And for me that, yeah, that that's what saved me. Uh, in that moment is I I knew somebody who I had seen and respected and had gone through it and made it through and, and I saw the step yeah and I saw the steps they took so like I had a venue to like like I don't know what to do but I I knew a place I could go to talk about it that I felt safe you had kind of a blueprint to follow yeah yeah I yeah I, I wasn't like I don't know what the hell to do I didn't right, none of that but um I, I knew that there was people I could talk to. And and part of it again is from, you know, the, the people I've worked with, uh, there's so many high em- people of high empathy, which makes a huge difference. And I know 
I also, I, I, me and my wife have talked about it extensively, like incredibly lucky to work with people who are uh, good humans first and brilliant people second. And I think that's what made the difference in terms of, for me, feeling like I could take a step. And I, and I also recognize that I'm incredibly um, um, privileged in that way because many people feel and experience what I experience without an outlet, without a, a place where they feel like they can safely talk about it. Yeah. Well, as the person who leads the group here in Ben, I'm very grateful that you didn't quit because <laughs> I we totally need you on the team. So if anyone out there is thinking about quitting your job, uh, think about <laughs> think let think about what else you might do to uh, to prevent that. Um, oh, first, <clears throat> it, it sounds like psychological safety is critical. Yes, uh, in this and and having one to many people that you feel the most comfortable with. I think that's a that can be a challenge because not everybody has anybody uh, at work that um that provides that psychological safety so um i wonder what do those people do what can, have you because you've found some outlets outside of work yeah. as well yeah yeah so i uh yeah totally so i've um so i i uh the the fast forward a little bit is i i talked to our like uh not ceo lead person someone in charge who could help me figure out a leave and, and was able to get, get leave um and uh i took three months off yeah. And um, what was important uh, was to not just take three months off, but to have a plan and not like regimented to the fact that every day from two to four, I do this, but to have a plan for that time. So you don't spiral further. So I did a few things. Um, one is, uh, and the most important one to me is I found this group named Face It, uh, which is a men's support group for people uh, who are going through depression and anxiety and anything else mental health uh, wise. And um, that was really powerful to me. I've, I've seen a therapist for years and years and years, which is helpful. But this was a peer support group where I just got to talk to other men who were dealing with the same things. And I uh, cannot advocate enough. And I could spend hours talking about why it's important, um, you know, especially uh, for me to get to speak about my feelings with people who I consider peers and and men, especially because oftentimes men don't feel safe talking about their feelings with one another. It's like, yo, bro, you see the game? And <laughs> I have plenty of those conversations as well. But like those, I, I, I was hit hard in those because like there was, we were crying together and talking about really deep trauma. And I'm like, after my first group, I was like, I don't think I've ever talked about that type of things with just men in my life. Uh, yeah. Like it's like a late 30s man there was a two question well one question one statement the face it group is that an open group can we like it is create yes a you, okay you can uh they're they're awesome they take any like the 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 founders um will meet with you talk with you um and help you find a group and and if there's a, a man in your life like a lot of the people that come there are from moms and wives who are worried about their husband or their their children saying like you're not getting the help you need, you know, and, and sometimes as men, we're super stubborn, uh, yeah. <laughs> weird. Uh, well, we're stubborn too. Yeah, so. I mean, that's fair. But uh, um, I, I was, I listened to an episode of um, the Ezra Klein podcast recently, and it talks a lot about this, about how, so I'll, we'll post a link to that as well, because it, it talks a lot about male relationships and, and how they don't always provide that 
um, emotional. I think it's... No, go ahead. I, I, something you said, Ben, was really interesting. Um, it was important to have a plan so you didn't spiral further. Yeah. Listening to the first part of the story, hearing about, you know, kind of the, the work pressure and all of that. Um, I think one of my initial thoughts was the break would give you the space and the space would be what you needed, like the release of pressure. Yeah. So I, I think it's, um, it sounds like that was a really important insight that it wasn't just that your days were full and that you were really busy. And it wasn't just that lightening the load was going to make the difference. Like there was more going on that you wanted to use that time to actually explore and investigate. Um, and I guess, I is it fair to say like, that's that's the core of what helped? Like the space certainly, um, yes. But the space really to to dig into kind of the underlying ways that you were feeling and thinking. Yeah, it's it's on it. I mean, that's a great observation, Jenna. It's like to do the hard work um, because you're right. It's a big built up pressure that happened. And then I just like just, you know, exploding type of thing. And the, yeah, uh, being away from work decompresses a lot of that because a lot of those things go away. But at some point, I'm going to go back to work. And that pressure is going to build back up. And if I haven't built the tools to have releases along the way, the same thing's going to happen again. And so a lot of it was uh, my men's group uh, was has been really important to me. Um, just having a more uh, a routine exercise plan. So like uh, I'm not like super athlete uh, guy, but I do take walks every day with my dog in the morning. I, I do make time for stretching. And so like little things like that are helpful. And then the other one is like finding the things that bring me joy and and really focusing on them again. And so that's like, I love woodworking and getting like back to like doing things and building and stuff like that. Um, obviously spending time with my family is incredibly important, but like making sure that I had things that independent of anyone else or what anyone else thought of me made me happy. And that was really important. I think finding that again. And so that way, as I'm struggling, I have outlets that I go back to now. It's like, it's been long, <laughs> actually a couple months here. And so like having a way to outlet that at home and say, oh, here's what I'm going to do. Uh, so like I built this little fairy tree house out in our yard uh, the other the last couple of weeks and like small little thing, but that was an outlet to be like, I did this and I'm happy about it and I'm worthwhile and all those great things that come, especially when shame and depression and all those other things are pushing at your door having that other things that you know can bring you joy is uh, really important that's awesome what was it like to walk back into the office when you returned uh it was weird um i mean i've never since I i've been working since i've been 15 and i've never been not working for that long and since i've been 15 years old and now i'm 41 i think yes 41 uh you're so young <laughs> and so it just it's it was weird from that perspective um the the best part again uh again my area of privilege is i came back to people uh who understood what i had been going through i'd been open about what was happening and they brought me in with a very gentle landing and said hey welcome back this week you can just join meetings and not do anything for the first few weeks, I got this and will help integrate you slowly. And that made a huge difference. I didn't feel overwhelmed. Yeah. In fact, that a couple of people had texted me in the couple of weeks coming into it saying, hey, when you come back, don't worry. 
things are fine. We got like, and so while it was weird just because I'd never been away from work for that long, mm-hmm. it was also uh, a gentle landing, which made a huge difference um, in terms of allowing me to feel like I didn't have to step right back into the hot plate. Because even though I'd done a lot of that work on myself, uh, we are all continuous works in progress. I will never be complete. Uh, yeah. So I made some progress, but um, uh, it, it definitely wasn't to a point where I'm like, oh yeah, I can handle anything now. Ben, do you think that you would have been able to um, recognize the need for some space, ask for space, make the plan, take the time for yourself and and come back? You've mentioned that you're fortunate to be in a really <clears throat> supportive culture. Yeah. I'm thinking about for folks who might not be, yep. um, do you think you would have been able to create that space for yourself or what do you think might have been different or do you have any thoughts or advice for um, somebody who's maybe feeling the need to, to create some space, take some time to to work on themselves, but doesn't know where to start with finding support? Yeah. A, a few things I would say. One is um, being honest is incredibly powerful. Uh, so I, I told everybody when I was leaving, it's because I was dealing with depression and anxiety and I needed a mental health break. So I, it, it, there was no like mystery of why I was taking off. And I can't tell you the number of people who reached out to me afterwards that I'm dealing with something so similar. I had the same thing. And I have since then, like having come back, I've had a dozen or so people reach out to me about what my process looked like, how I did what I did, what was needed, how it helped. And there are so many people, no matter I think where you work, that are dealing with something similar that we just don't talk about. And we talk about like bring our whole selves to work. Um, we have to be thoughtful of certain parts of ourselves. Like it's peeling back the onion <laughs> uh, sometimes, especially for me, cause mm-hmm. I'm a lot for people. Uh, but um, I think it's when you can be open and honest and say, I am struggling as a person, regardless of where you're at, most people I think are decent enough and empathetic to say, if I raise my hand and say, I'm dealing with depression, I'm struggling on a day-to-day basis and I need help that most people are good and will, will help that or recognize like, Oh, I, I know someone that's gone through this or like the more we talk about those things, the, the less dignified it gets. Like if I had, if I had uh, developed cancer and said, I need to leave to take chemo, no one was going to like say anything to me to be like, really? You can't just buck it up a little bit. And, and mental health's the same. We just, we have to, as a culture, continue to push and make that more normalized. So it's like when you're going through those things, it's life-threatening. And unless you correct it, it can become life-threatening. And so the more we can be open and honest about that, we can find and build empathy within our our, our cultures as well. And I'm sure you will find people who are more and less supportive as you go through those things. And I also would say, it's a great way to reflect on, am I in the place that I want to be from a work perspective? Because the work's going to be hard wherever you go. I I think about that a lot. Like if I, you know, wherever I decide to work, I've I've worked in very challenging places and I've worked on very hard work. I know wherever I go, it's going to be hard. There's never going to be like, oh, this is a super easy job and I'm super fulfilled and it's great. Like that's just not a thing that exists in my, my reality. Um, And so finding a culture in humans that you enjoy spending time with when these are the people you're going to spend more time with than sometimes your own family is really important 
and people that you know you can connect with um and so i, I think building the culture you want is, is also that second important thing which is you know by being open and honest you'll find those people that are your people and you'll start to create the culture of honesty and openness by being open and honest yeah the, the um hiding it and and creating mystery around it probably propagates yeah your inclination to not face it right yeah but it makes it worse for yourself but then also if you do become open about it you become um, a support for others who are still afraid yeah it, it, it i mean it, it it just creates the shame spiral which is like yeah. the shame that i feel this way and i'm not going to share it and it makes me feel more ashamed because i'm not showing up and people think i'm not showing up because i'm just a, a bad employee and so now i feel like you know, even worse and like it's a vicious cycle and yeah. like uh i know it's a cliche thing but like honesty will set you free by being open and honest and sharing like i it's hard uh like i'm not saying like it's easy just like i'll just say it like i not not meaning to be flippant about that it's really difficult but the amount that you will get back by doing that like will will be tenfold over how hard it was to actually share i wasn't making a face at what you were saying my dog just farted oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, that's what the face was it was like mm, i don't know seems kind <laughs> like, of dumb, then. oh don't say that <laughs> No, it was uh, fairly on my side. <laughs> there was something in there too, I think that's really important when you're talking about <clears throat> reflecting on where you are and, and making sure you're, you're in a good place because I, you know, as you've said, as you mentioned, people spend a ton of time and effort at work sometimes more than their own family. There's a lot of identity tied to it. Um, but I, I heard once that life is a juggling act and it's like juggling glass balls and there's like your health and your family and your work and your hobbies. Um, and the only one that you can drop and put back together is work. Yeah. About all the people who have like exploded spectacularly in their um, professional careers and like two years later, they're leading another company or, you know, or they find a different career. And I think that's just because people spend so much time and energy and, you know, love problem solving. Um, I just think that's, that's really important to highlight that. Uh, yes, it's, it's great to invest yourself, be engaged and care, but if you are not being cared for in a way that is healthy for all of the other things that you're trying to juggle, um, you know, Ben, you, you were able to come back and, it, it was great but even if you if you weren't if you had reflected and been like wow i have to find somewhere else uh, i think it's just important to remind people like, careers are pretty resilient um you know yeah. give it a couple of years find find a different track but it, it's not worth sacrificing everything else um that you're trying to to juggle in life just to keep that one thing uh from falling yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, because yeah, there'll always be other jobs um, out there. And it's a lot of good problems to solve. A lot of good problems to solve. I, one of the things you were saying too, uh, something my, me and my wife talk about uh, a lot, which is the the, the gardener and the flower. Um, so relationships, uh, like work, otherwise, however you want to do it, like they're not 50-50. Uh, they might get to 50-50, but it's not a, this hat. so Monday, all family, Tuesday, all work, month, right? It, that's not the way that goes. 
So I think if it's like the gardener and the flower, we talk about it's like sometimes you're the gardener and you are working hard to make the, the garden grow and build everything up and stuff like that. And then sometimes you need to be the flower and you need your partner or you need work or something else to help you grow and to sprinkle you with love and all the things that you need to exist. And it doesn't have to be 50-50. There'll be months where like my wife is dealing with a lot and I'll need to be doing a lot more gardening. And then conversely, like it will be a couple months where I'm struggling with something. She's like, I got this. And it's not a 50-50 relationship for a while, but like over time, that's, and that's why I think about like with work and with the balance, it's like, you can't be constantly just gardening your work or your, like you have to find a good balance there. It doesn't have to be a balance like every day, but over time that balance needs to exist. Yeah. I really love that <clears throat> because I, I think as people grow in their lives and careers, I, I think that it, it's helpful to understand. And Ben, that's a, I think a great way to think about it. Um, how pressure in your life can kind of secretly sneak up on you because as you grow, as you get promoted, as your family expands, as you find more friends with, you know, deep relationships, your your garden potential gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Nice. And I think there's a there's a very easy tendency, like a natural tendency to garden more because um, you just have so many opportunities. And I think people like to help each other. Oh, yeah. Um, and I, I think, you know, Ellie, you had mentioned this um, in the live podcast as well. We talked a little bit about people love to help other people. And yet it is so hard to raise a hand and ask for help and let yourself be the one that is helped. And, and I, again, but I love the the flower and the gardener just is a really, really clear way to be able to see like, listen, I need to be a flower for a little bit. Yeah. Can, I'm going to go like get a manicure or I'm going to yeah. call my mom or. We say that a lot too. It's like, I need, we have a flower day. I need to be the flower today. I'm sorry. It just reminds needs. me of treat yourself. Yep, exactly. It's treat yourself for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I also think there's a really interesting <clears throat> perspective that you, you mentioned a little bit before, Ben, about I think there's a little bit of perception versus reality. Um, you mentioned being like your, your own inner coach is, is pretty harsh. And kind of oh, little, yeah. Maybe a little bit of a jerk. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think it it can be hard to accurately evaluate ourselves and how we're doing um, and, and what an impact we're having or how successful we're being compared to our perception of others. Because I think especially as um, like technology and communication has increased, like the pace of everything is faster, you know, there's more relationships that are at a surface level. And I think we end up seeing just the best of people often, right? Like the people who get highlighted in a meeting are the people who are doing great. And I think it's easier to keep score of how many times other people get mentioned than to realize how often you get mentioned mm -hmm. or to realize uh, unless you happen to be fortunate enough to, you know, have people who, who find a way to give you feedback that you are being a gardener potentially to people you don't even realize. Um, so I, I think that perception of others uh, and the, I think the tendency to see them as the best version of themselves is just so different from a lot of people's tendencies to not think about the best of themselves. Um, and that's just a, 
it's it's an interesting tension there and i i think i heard in what you were talking about finding the ways to find your joy and what brings you joy that that was a way to maybe kind of balance that take the focus off of comparing to anybody else and really just focus on yeah you know your perception what makes you tick what makes you happy um but i'm i'm, I'm curious if if you have a perspective on that like is there a, a comparison to others or was it pretty much just kind of a internal focus I, it's definitely both uh, i would say i mean you spot on like we are we as a society and humans are so much harder on ourselves than we are on anyone else we talk about our group all the time nobody like i we go around uh, uh, in our group and everyone's like well i'm kind of shitty here's what happened and <laughs> it's like that doesn't sound that bad. And, and like, that's a routine that every time that happens. Um, and it's really hard to combat that inner voice that is constantly doubting ourselves. Like, um, we're all relatively intelligent humans here who I, I, I both Jenna, you and Ellie, I respect deeply. And I think are incredible at what you do. And so, yes, there'll be moments where like, I will compare myself, like, uh, Ellie would have figured this out differently or better or something like that. But I'm also positive Ellie would never say that to me and be like, you did this wrong. <laughs> I'm much better at this than you. I would have figured this I, out like days ago. Yeah. She might give me advice that will help point me in the right direction. But the, but oh, the, yeah. <laughs> those inner things are different, but that it's different. And like one of the things I think about and that we've talked about in our groups again is um, how would you treat 12 year old Ben? So like, think about what 12 year old Ben needs or what you would say to a younger version of yourself. Would you give that person grace? Yeah. Okay. Well, you should do it to yourself now too. Like what, do, like that, that's just super important, which is to try to like, again, that, that inner critic, that, that inner voice that says, I'm not good enough. Um, you know, re remind yourself like, well, what would I say if this was 12 year old me? Because we all... I mean, 12-year-old me was weird and awkward and all types of things. But the other thing is, like, it's a vulnerable young child. And, like, we would treat them kindly and thoughtfully. And we would hate if our own children were talking to themselves that way. So thinking about it from that lens can be helpful. Um, and just, and I think part of it then goes to reminding ourselves of everyone has some level of this imposterism and feeling like they're not good enough. And like, I've never met somebody, uh, well, I, I've met people who pretend to be at least, uh, <laughs> that they know everything and they never doubt themselves. I generally don't love spending time with those humans. <laughs> um, but, uh, the people I like and respect, and I think are the most brilliant are people who are self-reflective of those things and have those moments of like, am I doing this right? And and not, and, and having that inner doubt. And so I'm like, well, if these people I love and respect and think are amazing are feeling that way, it's okay for me to feel that way. As long as I don't like agonize over it. It's like, you can have those moments, but then it's like, okay, but you got to move forward. The people, my experience has been that the people you described that seem the most buttoned up end up being the most broken because they don't have, they don't give themselves any wiggle room for doubt or mistakes yeah. or humanness it's kind of sad it is. um the the mentor that um or the 
inner coach and and changing the age of your coach is 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 really powerful i'm going to post a link to a previous episode we had with jenny evans where she describes that like thinking about your yourself as an, an you know you know an old person living in the forest that you go to as kind of a what's the word sage like a, yeah like a sage um and she suggests even naming that person a really cool name so i'll post that link but i like that i hadn't heard that yeah yeah and there probably is a tangent about beyonce and sasha <laughs> Jedi master yeah i am here for any beyonce tangents uh, yeah sounds good to me uh jenna do you have more questions or are we ready for a random question um i have one more question and then we can do random question okay <clears throat> Uh, well, I have so many more questions, but I can narrow the field to one more question. Fair. Um, so as we're talking about this, um, you know, thinking about yourself as younger or kind of, you know, perception versus reality and um, being kind, kinder to others than we typically are to ourselves. I I'm wondering, Ben, <clears throat> thinking back, is there something that anyone could have done or said to you while that pressure was building? Um, that would have helped you, I guess, either recognize it sooner, take a break before you, you know, reach breaking point, think differently, or was it really just something that um, those words would have been nice, but you kind of had to get there by yourself? Yeah, uh, some people did say some stuff to me about, hey, are you okay? You're working, like, that kind of stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. I will get through it. I always get through it. I'll always figure it out. Um, it's the, oh man, I'm thinking of uh, Encanto, the sister, uh, which if I don't know if you've seen Encanto. Ellie, I'm disappointed in you. And Jenna, what? There's a wonderful part. It's a great Sorry. movie. And there is a, a part where um, they all have special powers, except for the, the one uh, woman who's kind of the protagonist. One of them is her older sister, who's super strong. And she can like lift anything and stuff like that. And there's a part in the movie where uh, the uh, the woman is talking to her sister and she sings a song uh, about all the pressure. And she's like, what am I worth if I can't shoulder the load? Like, what's my value if I can't do this? Because like, and, and she's like, just give it to your sister. She's stronger. She can carry it. She can do it. And that's her whole identity. And that's part of it for me was like my identity was wrapped up and mm -hmm. I can get through it. I can figure it out. I just, nope, I got it. Um, and so people did say like, hey, I feel like that's a lot. And I'm like, yeah, but that's who I am. So I got it. <laughs> that That's not helpful for me or for anyone else. And so like it took getting to that point to realize it. Um, uh, but yeah, it was, people did say stuff to me and, and some, in and, and very nice, good, kind, empathetic ways. And right. But like, there's there was part of it that like I wish I could have realized sooner. Um, but ultimately I tried not to focus on like the regret or anything like that because I've developed so many skills by taking that break. I've met so many people who have been dealing with the same things I am dealing with and have been able to help them to some degree. Again, having to help and can't just take help, but like that makes me feel better to be able to give back. I I, I work in my men's group. Um, I started doing some, what I affectionately would call depressed donuts at, at work to chat with people in the morning when they want to talk about it. 
Um, and I now facilitate the men's group uh, that I had joined a few years back. So like so many things I've learned and grown from that, like I wouldn't change uh, what happened in some weird perverse way. Like yeah, it, it's made a profound difference on my life. And um, uh, even even though like I would not want that for anyone else, um, I'm happy that um, I was able to make it through it in the way I did. Yeah, I got to one of those points as well uh, a few more years ago than than you. And I didn't take any of the hints that people were dropping. And then it was my boss who had to say, get your stuff and take three weeks off and don't come back until <laughs> like just unplug and go away for three weeks and we'll see you when you get back. It had to Did be it work? brute force. Yeah, it totally worked. Yeah, it really worked. Really worked. I mean, just to, to round it out to you, that, that has happened to me just to, I mean, in the spirit of honesty. And I think um, Ben and Ellie, you both mentioned just the, the importance of knowing that other people have gone through something similar to help normalize mm -hmm. um, for mental health or anything else. Um, it, it's just so helpful to hear those stories and feel like you're not alone so that that's why I think the honesty you mentioned Ben is so important but yeah I also had to take a step away from work um I was fortunate it was during the pandemic um to be able to kind of like reduce to part-time um because I, I wanted to frankly I had a really cool project I wanted to keep going on but also it, you know, worked uh, to plan it out, take um, a couple months down at a reduced time so that I could just focus on a single project for a little bit, spend more time on my family. Um, I also been did kind of the exploring to find I was having a lot of anxiety and my heart was racing and a lot of this brought on by pandemic anxiety. Um, <clears throat> and I tried a whole bunch of different things. I tried like, it, like, um, therapy apps. I tried talking to a therapist. Uh, and ultimately what worked for me is um, I found uh, a pastor. His name is Rick Warren. I think he wrote the like uh, purpose-filled life books, yep. um, but I found a series of sermons by him that spoke to worry. And um, one of the things he mentioned was from a faith perspective, you have to remember you're not in charge. You don't have to be the project manager of the universe. And I, I realized like that was really helpful because, you know, especially during that time, like I was trying to work and like take care of my family at home. And I was worried about the world, like, you know, this, this like virus going to take everybody out. And it was helpful to just like center myself in this is, this is who I am and where I am. And again, as part of my faith, it's like, I, I'm, I am not in control. I will be taken care of whatever happens. And um, so that was just really helpful for me to have that reminder. I'm not the project manager of the universe. Not everything has to be determined by me. Um, yeah. And then I, I just got in the habit, I think, Ben, kind of like you mentioned of listening to more of those sermons, like finding a small group to have people to talk to. And um, I think also sometimes we get so busy that we forget the power of that community and in particular the power of the community that isn't just your work isn't just your family isn't just your friends but it's actually like this 
sort of separate group of people that um, I think you can almost be a different version of yourself with sometimes because they're not tied to, you know, hanging out on the weekends or, or you know, the Christmas that you have to go to with your family or anything like that. Um, so I just, just wanted to also volunteer that uh, we now have three for three, 100% <laughs> <laughs> folks who've hit that point of like, yep, that's too much. I need to back away. Yeah. Thanks for sharing, Jenny. Um, in the question time? Yeah, let's lighten it Woo-hoo. up. Um, Lightning so, round. So I am 95% sure that I know what you're going to say to this question, Ben. Okay, um, let's see. But, but let's, let's see. Okay. What is something that everyone seems to agree on that you don't get or agree with? <laughs> oh, God, there's so, there's so many things. There's so many things. I'm really weird. And there's so many things that I just don't like that are like, uh, we can have many debates about things. Uh, my, like to, my favorite one to argue about is pro wrestling being a sport. Yes. Yes. That's oh, what I was thinking of. I was gonna Nailed it. Oh, no. I, I what did you say brunch? Oh, I hate brunch. Yes, I do hate brunch. Yeah. Either get up like a normal adult for breakfast and have breakfast or just go to lunch. Don't spend half your day in between meals. Um <laughs> Jenna's face. I know. I know I know more I know more people who would agree with either side of that than would agree that the biggest discussions I've been in uh where Ben is anchoring by himself the other side of the aisle is wrestling. that wrestling is yeah, somehow wrestling a sport, sport. even is. though it's totally scripted. So it is athletic. But I think a sport involves some sort of uh, an element comp- of, yeah, like a Real not predetermined em- ending. Yeah, so there's not predetermined who is going to like end up on top, right? Correct. Well, great news, wrestling isn't. Because <laughs> wrestling, wrestling yeah, is all nice. about how you win the crowd over during that. Because the, the wrestlers who do the best at winning the crowd over because they're skilled at their craft, they're great storytellers, or they're excellent in the ring, end up getting pushed by the higher promoters because they see they get the crowd response. So they are competing for crowd response. And eventually they will be rewarded with the top prize, ergo champion. Uh, by for- that definition, every every debate and political contest is also a sport. And so is every like cinematic or but this theatrical is, event but this, because but this you're trying adds to win athleticism. Over the Athleticism plus that is what, you know, like, stunt people. I don't think people. Joe Biden can dunk a basketball. That's all I'm saying. No, but he has to, like, walk up those stairs to the podium and then and he has to tough. win over the crowd. <laughs> uh, the other one I would have guessed, Ben, I, I'm not sure why I didn't guess the wrestling one, was uh, Cool Ranch Doritos. Oh, yeah. I, I'm i okay. Yeah, Cool Ranch Which Doritos. Which side of the fence? I don't like them. They're not good. They're not good. Spicy Nachos, the number one Dorito. Bio. No regular nacho. No spicy nacho. Because no regular have, nacho. Okay, well you're wrong about that too. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I I don't like Cool Ranch. I only like spicy nacho. Yes, Jen. Sorry, I can see here. So, if you if you had one of those little twisty things that like grinds pepper, <clears throat> and it came with Cool Ranch Doritos instead of spicy nacho Doritos. Would you take it because that's been your dream for forever to have one of those contraptions? I made one. Would you throw it back? I I had one. I made one at the go-kart office. So so you would throw it back. 
but it and was you would use your own. Correct. With spicy think, nacho. Yes, with spicy nacho. Yes. Yeah. What's your favorite thing to put spicy nacho twisty crumbles on top of? Mac and cheese. I mean, you can't <laughs> go wrong adding it to, by the way, not fancy mac. No hesitation. Craft mac and cheese from the box. <laughs> yeah, no hesitation whatsoever. That was loaded. Yep. Well, let's end on a note that we can all agree on that Kraft <laughs> Mac and Cheese is the best. Ben, it's so good. we appreciate you so much. Um, this was yes. really a great conversation. We thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate, you have, I appreciate you having me and getting to share more of these things. And I hope uh, if anyone else is struggling or feels like that, make sure you find your person that you feel good outletting to. Yes. And share. identify them identify them like an emergency contact Correct. before you have Correct. an emergency that's a great point yes you should have your emergency contact list for like when like things are just like at the break like here's who i call here's who i talk to yeah um, and if you don't know where to start any of the three of us yeah love for to sure have i will i yeah any people dealing with these i'm an open book i'm here to talk anytime anyone wants so awesome. thanks ben If you loved today's podcast, and I'm assuming you did, uh, hopefully you learned something, uh, hit subscribe so you never miss one of our episodes. You can also find us on professionalhumans.online, soundcloud.com slash professionalhumans. Uh, you can find us on social media. Professional Humans is on LinkedIn. Ellie's on LinkedIn. <clears throat> You're also probably a professional human yourself and know how to use the internet, so you'll be able to find us somehow. Thanks for listening.